Now we come to God's Word. If you have your Bibles with you, let us open it to the Old Testament in Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37, everyone. We're going to study the whole chapter, but for our reading, I shall only read from verse 1 to 9. If you are ready, and if you can stand, please rise for the reading of God's Word. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not dismayed or not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. May God bless the reading from His Holy Word. Please be seated. So brethren, we have come to the end of our prayer and fasting week this year, entitled Waiting on God. And today I want to talk about reaping our rewards of waiting. That's our message today. And if you continue to follow our or to use our devotional, that's also the devotional today, Reaping our rewards, right? Reaping our rewards. And if you remember the verse that we use in the beginning of this uh, prayer and fasting week in Isaiah 64, verse 4, it says that God acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. No eye has seen any God besides God who acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. Brethren, even though His plans may not be clear to us today, even though we don't see Him at work, and I love the, the song of the choir. It fits perfectly to our message today. We can always trust that it's working on our behalf. Amen? If we have truly focused our direction on Him, if we have really sought His will and removed and eliminated the idols that impede our fellowship with Him, and if we have claimed His promises and 
courageously fought the good fight and waited on God, then we have this wonderful assurance that He is truly working on our behalf. Amen? I want you to trust that, brethren. The silence of God doesn't mean His absence. If somehow you don't feel Him, you have to understand God is not just a feeling, you know? Sometimes you say, I don't feel God. Well, God is not a feeling. God's working is not based on what we feel. Because there are days that we don't feel His presence. There are days that's like God is somewhere. But praise God, God is not dependent on our feelings. If we don't feel Him, so what? <laughs> he always feels us. That's the wonderful thing with our God. And we have this wonderful thing as promised in the New Testament. And basically, Paul here is alluding to, to Isaiah 64. When, when Paul is talking about the wisdom that only believers know, that unbelievers are blinded to this, this is what St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined or conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Can you imagine that? No eye, no mind in this world can conceive what God has prepared for those who love Him. And if you follow the Old Testament version of that, to those who wait on Him. There is a reward to reap, brethren. And that is what I want to talk this morning. I want us to, to, you know, to have the courage and the confidence to wait on God because it's worth it. God is working. And our passage this morning is found in Psalm 37. One of the most beautiful psalms that David ever wrote. And one of the psalms that where so many people can, can memorize verses. I'm sure there's one verse in this psalm that you love. Anybody? What verse? Okay, yours is verse 4. Yes, that's one of my life verse. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will what? Give you the desires of your heart. That's found in this, in this chapter, right? Now, this is a, 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 a unique psalm because this psalm is actually known as a wisdom psalm, all right? If you read this chapter, it is not like most of David's psalm because most of David's psalms were addressed to God. Here, no. This is not addressed to God. This is addressed to man. That's why it's a wisdom psalm. If you read it, it's like a book of Proverbs. It's like, it's, 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 it's guiding, it's giving us wisdom. And the theme of this psalm is really not to fret about what? About the success of unbelievers. Not to be envious. Alright? That's the theme of this psalm. Instead, we are to what? We are to wait. And this particular psalm tries to answer one of the age-old questions that man has struggled. Why do bad people prosper while godly people painfully struggle through life? You know? That's, 
an age-old question. Most Christians struggle with that. How come, pastor? You know, we are supposed to be blessed. Why is it that God, who is loving and merciful and gracious, why would He allow, you know, His children to painfully go through struggles in life while those unbelievers are enjoying, while those unbelievers are living the time of their lives. Why? Well, this psalm tries to answer that. Now, here, in the beginning of the psalm, we find here that David immediately goes into his theme. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. And that's the theme. It's being repeated in several. Look, you can also see that in verse 2. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Immediately, David gives the reason why you should not envy them because their happiness is what? It's temporary. Their happiness is just passing. It's just like a mist. It's just like, you know, a green herb. It's there in the morning, but it withers in the afternoon. It's like David is saying, never compare yourself to these people. You don't know what you have, brethren. You don't know what you, you possess in Christ. In verse 7, it also says, Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. So it's, it's, it's being repeated again and again. In verse 8, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Because sometimes we are angry. You know? Why is it that my neighbor is always happy? They always travel. When they, when they come back from, from work, they always bring with them something new. Ours is always old. <laughs> and we keep on whining and whining. And David says here, instead of whining, let us be in waiting on God. That's what David is saying. Whining should not be characteristic to a Christian. That's not. You know, when we start to whine, we need to talk to ourselves. This is not good. This is not pleasing the Lord. This is not what God wants. Instead, God wants me to be what? To be in the attitude of waiting. That's why we have prayer. That's why God gives us, you know, this wonderful weapon of prayer. Because that is how we try to, you know, to heal our pains. Remember what Paul says? Do not worry and do not be anxious. Instead, pray. You ask God. You give thanksgiving. And then, David gives his instruction. What is the source of wisdom? How can we cope with all these struggles, this pain in life? It's in verse 7. Look at this. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil. And it's repeated again and again. You will also find that in verse 9. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall what? Inherit. In fact, it is mentioned three or four times in this chapter to wait in the Lord. 
Now, why should we wait in the Lord? Because here, David, and this is where I want to focus our attention this morning. David gives us sevenfold rewards of those who wait on the Lord. Sevenfold. A number of perfection. In other words, you will have perfection when you wait on the Lord. Alright, so are you ready? Alright, let's begin. The first one is this. Those who wait in the Lord, their desires, they are provided. Desires provided. And this comes from the most cherished verse in this psalm. Right? Psalm 37 verse 4. Look at this. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. And this is a very classic example of the promise premise. Remember last Friday? You know, when we claim, remember, one of the ways that helps us cope with the struggles in life is that God has given us verses and promises. And these promises are powerful to guide us and to encourage us in our daily struggles with life. But then we cannot just claim any of these promises. Some of these promises are not for us. Some of these promises are only for the Jews, right? But there are promises that are for believers in all time. And this is one of those, all right? So first, let us see the premise. What is the premise? And what is the promise? The promise here is that He will give you the desires of your heart. That is the promise. He will give you the desires of your heart. Friends, there is nothing complicated in that phrase. All right? He will give you the desires of your heart. I don't have to give you the Hebrew word so that you can see some hidden meaning. There is no hidden meaning there. You take it as it is. He will give you the desires of your heart. But the most important thing is the premise. Right? Because this verse is not saying that you can simply have all your wishes come true. This verse doesn't say that God is like some genie. That you can just, you know, Lord, I like a red sports car. And there you have it. No, that's not what this verse is saying. This verse is not saying that I can just have my desires and then God would just immediately give it to me. There is a premise and it is a command. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now that's the focus. Delight. What does it mean to delight? You know, the word delight means to enjoy. You know? Again, there's no hidden meaning there. It, it simply means to enjoy. You know, to delight in someone means to experience great pleasure in that person or in the thing. Alright? So the premise is that when we delight in the Lord, He gives us the desires of your heart. Now, is that how it works? Because I'm sure you tried to delight yourself in the Lord, but still, still, the man is not yet there, the car is not yet there, <laughs> the house is not yet there. See? And you say, Lord, I delight already. Now that's where we need to understand, see? Because if, if you try to understand this, this verse, 
you know, as we delight ourselves in the Lord. You know what God will do? God will slowly shape our hearts, our wills, so that they will desire the right things for God. That's where the spiritual discipline takes place. So in other words, brethren, as I, as I delight, as I enjoy God through prayer, through reading His Word, through serving Him, you know what God will do? As, as we go through the delighting part, somehow the, word, the, the Lord will work in our hearts that He would draw us to things that pleases Him and not just ourselves. In such a way that as we delight in Him more and more, He draws us to Himself and then slowly gives more of Himself to us. I'd like to quote McLaren over this. This is what he said, When we delight ourselves in the Lord, He gives us our delight. If He is our delight, He gives us more of Himself Longings fixed on Him fulfill themselves. Isn't that right? When God becomes our delight, you know what happened? Amazingly, He becomes our desire. So that as we desire of Him grows more and more, He gives Himself to us more and more. And you know, brethren, with God, we have everything. That's why God says, I am your shepherd. In me, you will lack nothing. Amen? Then we realize that the things that we desired before are not things good for us. Amen? So that's the first reward. Can you imagine it? Our desires provided when you wait on God. Second, their circumstances prospered. Their circumstances prospered. Look at verse 18. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. I want you to focus on that word knows. The word there literally means he intimately knows. He intimate. So there's a sense of intimacy there. So friends, this is comforting for us. You know why? When we have problems, when we go through painful trials in life, sometimes we think that we are, you know, God is distant. God may not understand what I'm going through right now, but the Bible says, the Lord knows the days of the blameless. And take note, you cannot just claim this promise if you are not living a blameless life. Because it says, the Lord knows the days of what? Not all Christians but only those who are blameless. Now, I, I failed to mention this. In this psalm, Psalm 37, by the way, Paul, I mean, sorry, David, David is contrasting the righteous and the wicked, no? the blameless and the evildoers. Right? So he uses different titles. Sometimes he calls them wicked, evildoers. They're the same thing. The righteous, the godly, those who wait in the Lord. So here, the righteous are those who are blameless. And the Bible says, and their heritage will remain forever. God knows them. Look at verse 19. In times of disaster, 
they will not wither in days of famine. They will enjoy plenty. So the idea here of David is like he's thinking when he was writing this psalm, he was thinking of, of you know, what is this common tree in, in the Middle East, in, you know, in Israel. Now we know this. Remember, there are so many plantations there. What do you call them? The palm, you know? There's a specific, the dates, yes. So when David was writing this, he was thinking of, of these trees that even though they are in arid desert, these, these palm trees thrive and, and they continue to bear fruit. And that's what David is saying. In times of disaster, they will not wither. Friends, when we go through bad circumstances, when we keep on waiting on God, God will sustain us. And the Bible says, in days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. Right? They will enjoy plenty. And David gives his own testimony of that. This is what David says in verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old. So that gives us the indication that when David wrote this, this is already what? In the later years of his life. He's already old and he says, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Amen? And, and, and this message, this verse speaks to me directly, brethren, because sometimes, you know, sometimes I have to be open to you. I worry. Lord, wala na magkikwarta, Lord. Unsaon may nako, Lord, but you know what? This is true. That prayer becomes a constant prayer, but you have never seen Josh or Shanshan begging for bread. Amen? Why? We don't have to beg because bread simply falls on our doorstep. Because God is good. You see? So I myself, this is true. No, this verse is not, is not saying that all Christians, all believers should become rich. No. You know what I'm saying? Most Christians do suffer worries because there are times that, you know, we have no money. There's just too many bills to pay. But then the Bible says, God knows your circumstance. Let us have that confidence this morning. God knows my circumstance. God knows my longing. God knows my pain. And the Bible says, I have not seen you know, David you know, people begging. Verse 26, He is ever lending generously and His children become a blessing. Brethren, this is true even in our community of faith. Remember during the pandemic? Can you imagine that? We, we were all part of the pandemic. We, nobody was exempted. We all were affected, yet during the pandemic, we were able to give more to people compared to the previous years. Can you imagine the amazing work of God? As a church, we were able to give more during the pandemic than when we had plenty. And what else is the secret to that except the goodness of our God? Amen? God is so good. So let's wait on Him because He promised to prosper us in our circumstances. Brethren, this reminds me, if ever you are like me, that sometimes, you know, when you are driving or you're walking and you're running empty, <laughs> when you see this bird, 
This is our common sparrow. Always remember what Jesus said. I am more valuable to God than these sparrows. You don't see sparrows begging. You don't see sparrows becoming beggars. And so you will be. You will never be begging, brethren. Amen? So every time we see these sparrows, remind yourself, God loves me more than this. I am more valuable to God than this sparrow. And that will change your day. Amen? I hope it will. Number two, number three, there's steps prepared. There's steps prepared. So this steps here refers to what? To our daily walk. You know? To our planning. Alright? Look at verse 23. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. Right? That's, that's the promise. Okay? The man here refers to the godly man, to the person who waits on God. The steps of a man are established. Now, the word there for established, that's why I use the word prepared because the word there established literally means to set in place, to prepare you. Right? To secure you. In other words, God has has a good long-range plan for the person who waits. But we don't see the long-range plan. We only see the steps, you know, for the day. But then God is saying, if we delight in His way, you know what He does? He already prepares you for the next steps. Because that is something we don't know. I don't know my next steps. What I only know is the steps I am making today. But the Bible says, your steps are established. Not going to be fatal. You know what, friends? This is the doctrine of what? Perseverance of the saints. This is the P of tulip. Remember tulip? Total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. In other words, Perseverance is a meaning to say, friends, if you're a true believer, if you're a child of God, you will persevere to the end. Remember what Jesus says? And those who persevere to the end shall be saved. Why, Why will I persevere to the end? Is it something to do with my capacity to, to follow? No, because we will fall. But it is the power of God to sustain us. It is His power that sustains us. So even though we fall, Friends, your fall will never be final because God will be there to establish our steps. Amen? And that's a promise to those who wait in the Lord. The Bible says the Lord holds them with His hand. That's eternal security. Friends, that's why we believe that once you are saved, you are saved forever. It's not because of you. It's not because of our faith. It's because of the power of God. It is God who perseveres us. Look at verse 31. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. Again, promise, premise. What's the promise? Our steps will never slip. But what is the premise? Hmm, God's law must be in my heart. Friends, we have to be serious in our study of God's word. That's why we encourage you to be part of a small group. That's why those of us 
We don't have small groups. Please be part of a small group because that's what we enjoy during the week. Amen? Just reading and following and obeying the Word of God because the promise hinges there. If the law of God is in our heart, God will direct our path. He establishes our steps. This is equivalent to Psalm 119 verse 11. Are you familiar with that verse? Psalms 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not what? Sin against thee. See? When there are more of God's word in our hearts, it would keep us from sinning. Proverbs 16, 9, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Praise God for that wonderful promise, brethren. Number four, their enemies punished. All right? Their enemies punished. It's like, is that a reward? <laughs> right? like we are not supposed to rejoice in the death of our enemies, right? <laughs> but it's there in the Bible. And this is the answer to the envying. Do not envy them. Do not think a lot of people today, you know, if God is the God of justice, why are still so many injustices happening? Why are good, good people being persecuted? Good people, victims of injustice. Well, this is the answer, brethren. God is a God of justice. And there's going to be a day when all perpetrators will be given just punishment, right? And, 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 and David outlines here again and again, you know, the fate of this evildoers. Look at verse 1, fret not yourself because evildoers be not envious of wrongdoers. Why? For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. See? In other words, even though they have the upper hand right now, but they will not always have that. Their glory is in vain. Their glitters are temporary. And they will soon fade. Look at verse 9. For the evildoers shall be what? Cut off. That's why David is writing this. Telling those people who seem to be victims of injustice. Telling them, do not worry about them. Because time will come that they shall be cut off. Verse 10. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. That's, that's the reward. It's a reward. If, if, if some Christians today are suffering, looking at the victories of their enemies and looking at themselves as pitiful, don't do that, brethren. That's the command in this, in this chapter. Fret not. Don't become bitter because of the success of the evil people because God will put them to judgment later. And remember what Romans said, Romans 12, 19? Remember what St. Paul says? What are we supposed to do with our enemies? The Bible says, Beloved, never avenge yourself. Emphasis on that word, never. As Christians, that is our default. Never take vengeance, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay says the Lord. Alright? 
So kung naay mga enemies, unsa may ito isulti Christians? Ipagkaloob ko na lang yan sa Panginoon. Lord, lightning bolts please. <laughs> right? Yes. Our enemies will be punished. Let me quote Spurgeon on that. The shortness of life makes us see that the glitter of the wicked is not true gold. You know why? Because even though we suffer here, our suffering is in a little while. Our joy and happiness with God is everlasting. And so the glories and the happiness of the wicked compared to eternity, it's nothing, brethren. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for you and for me. Amen? Number five, their inheritance promised. Their inheritance promised. We are going to inherit, brethren. Don't worry. Look at verse 9. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Now, we need to understand here, you know, the premise, all right? It's talking about land, and it's always talking about land because David is talking about the Jews. And, and the promise of God to the Jews is what? Their inheritance is the land, the promised land, friends. But for us believers, the land that God is promising us is not a parcel of, a, you know, an actor of land. No. The land promised to us is our what? Heavenly dwelling. So that's how we take that verse. All right? Verse 11, But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Brethren, if we apply this to Christians, this is talking about our heavenly inheritance. Verse 18, The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their inheritance will what? Will remain forever. Five times he mentions this. Turn away from evil and do good so that shall you dwell in the land forever. You see? Verse 22, For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by Him shall be cut off. You see? That's the promise of God. When we wait on Him, brethren, today, we will inherit a heavenly land. It's also found in verse 29, The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it. Take note, forever. The Jews cannot dwell in that land forever. You know, history you know, teaches us that at some point, because of their disobedience, they were even uprooted from their own land. But friends, for us, when we dwell in that heavenly home, we shall dwell there forever and ever. That's our reward, brethren. And, 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 and we spoke about this two Sundays ago. Remember the living hope? According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be what? Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And what is this living hope? According to Peter, take note, to an inheritance that is what? Imperishable, undefiled, unfading. And where is it? Kept in heaven for you. See, it's not here. So don't, don't ever claim that our 
reward from God is only here. No. It's up there. Amen? And that's what Jesus said. I'm here in heaven preparing your mansion. Amen? And that keeps us going, brethren. Amen? When we know that our momentary sufferings and pain is paving the way for what? For our heavenly mansion. Right? I went to Mommy Ida's earthly mansion. You know? Mommy Ida, it's so, so beautiful. But Mommy Ida, I'm sorry. The mansion up there is extremely, absolutely more beautiful. Right? So we look forward to that day, brethren. That's why while, while we focus on, on that heavenly mansion, we keep our faith you know, here on earth upon Christ. Amen? Number six, their salvation preserved. Their salvation preserved. We're almost done. Look at verse 28. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake His saints. I love that. He will not forsake His saints. Brethren, though you think that God is not working in your lives as if God has forsaken you, no. God made a promise. He will not forsake His saints. Why? Because they are for ever preserved. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. Make sure that you're a child of God. Make sure that you call yourself a saint and you live that way, brethren. We are saints. You don't have to die so that you will be called a saint. I'm a saint. You're a saint. And our sainthood is not based on some miracles we have done. It's not based on some good works that we have done. No, our being saint is because of the mercy of God. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us. And it is God who preserves us forever. Look at verse 40. The Lord helps them. And three times he mentions this. Delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them. Why? Because they take refuge in Him. You see? Promise, premise. Take refuge in God and you will be saved. Our salvation, brethren, you know, is there. Now, we come to the last. Finally, their destiny, praise. Their destiny, praise. That's why, you know, Stephen Covey, when he wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders, one of the habits there is begin with the end in mind. Remember that? Begin with the end in mind. Friends, when we live our lives today, when we walk with Jesus today, always focus on the end. What's the end of my life? I'm going to be praised. If I'm going to be praised, how am I going to live my life today? Do I wor do, do, am I worthy? You know? Am I worthy? Do I deserve that praise? See, that's, that's one way for us you know, to live our lives today. Look at verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep His way. And notice this. And He will exalt you. Can you imagine that? He will exalt you. Now, the way we live today, do we deserve that exaltation? See? 
begin with the end in mind. Friends, the end of those who wait for the Lord is what? He will exalt you to inherit the land. See, that's the same thing what Peter said in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. If your faith remains strong after being tried in the test of fiery trials, look at it. It will what bring you much praise, glory, and honor on the day of His return. See? So all our painful trials here in life, brethren, all our waiting process, our struggles with our own problems as we wait for the Lord, they will what? They will pave the way for the praises that will come. And remember in this verse, we said, kinsa may i-praise ani si Jesus or kita? In this particular context, kita. See? That's our destiny. So if that's my destiny, brethren, how am I going to live my life today? I better live my life today. You know, worthy of that. I have to live my life today in preparation for what Jesus promised when He's, you know, on, upon His return. Because on that day, the Bible says, He will bring you what? Much praise, glory, and honor. Why? Because we are co-heirs with Christ. Why? Because we suffered with Him. Remember? God's glory given to Christ will be shared to those who also suffer with Him. So our sufferings today, brethren, is paving the way for the praises and the glory. So if you compare the pains of waiting, nothing compared to the glories that we will receive. So brethren, be courageous. Let's fight with a good fight. Amen? Let's maintain our faith. Let's keep on waiting. Let's keep on trusting and obeying the Lord. For great is our reward in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise, O God, for your word. Lord, we respond to you in obedience. Bless our hearts right now that we don't just feel blessed, but give us, Lord, the burden to obey. It's the obedient part, Lord, that is important. May we go out from this gathered fellowship, oh God, ready to apply these truths in our lives. May these promises of rewards give us, Lord, more encouragement to wait on you. Amen and amen.